0: The reading comes from Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 12, and it can be found on page 1178 of the Church Bibles. Paul's Chains Advance the Gospel. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me While I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Great. Thank you, Rosemary. And uh, good morning, everyone. Isn't it great having all these new people involved in our services? Yeah, Sarah, Lily taking a bigger lead, and we had Anna, and we had Peppa Pig. What could be what could be better? I have to say uh, that uh, Daddy Pig is, is a fairly constant reference point in my daughter's attempts to understand me. And... Uh, I think he probably has had quite an influence on the children today, to be honest. So, uh, men, we need to restore our reputation with uh, practical competence, but I'm afraid I have nothing to add in that area. So, there we go. Now, one thing I can do is I know what it feels like when everything has gone horribly wrong. Do you know what it feels like when everything has gone horribly wrong? Anyone want to confess to knowing that feeling? Yeah? Daddy Pig felt it there. I felt it on many occasions. Um, I have to say these people here on the next slide how experiencing it very regularly, that is yet another goal being conceded by West Ham. And uh, I'm afraid it's become a sorry story, this term. Uh, Here's someone who certainly knows what it feels like. Big Sam made a big mistake, as we've all heard. But I have to say that supporting a useless football team or even getting sacked as England manager is absolutely nothing compared to the reasons the Apostle Paul has to be miserable. Locked up in prison, on trumped-up charges, facing possible execution at the end of it, and even facing hostility from some of the local Christians. That is Paul's situation. And yet we have to say this, don't we? This letter is full of such joy, such purpose, such encouragement, such confidence. It begs the question, why? What was different about Paul? So today we're going to begin to answer that question, seeking to get inside his head and his heart in the hope that God might use him to work in our heads And our hearts. And I'm basically going to talk about two things this morning, and here they are um, on the screen. Getting our priorities right by learning from what Paul uh, was driven by, and secondly, the true source of joy and confidence. How we can get what is his source of hope and confidence and find everything that we need in our lives. But first, let's pray that God makes us ready to hear this, to receive this and to put it into practice so let's pray father we thank you for your word in particular we pray lord thank you for paul who we know so much about he shared so much of his life his life with others so much of it was written down he was so honest and lord his excitement his peace his perspective his sense of what's worth enduring for a greater reward Lord, is just so uh, transparent and we pray as we engage with it honestly this morning and through the rest of this series in Philippians that you would transform us through it and we would move from those perhaps who are going through the motions who feel distant from you to those who are truly radically sold out, fired up, envisioned, empowered to play the part that you have called us to in our world. In Jesus' name, we ask it and plead it by the power of your spirit. Amen. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Christian speaker J. John. Has anyone heard of him? Yeah, quite a few. He's uh, he's short, he's extremely funny, and uh, he's a great preacher of the good news of Jesus. And I can't remember any of his jokes offhand. I perhaps should uh, look them up because I'm sure they're better than mine. But I think uh, what I do remember is a little phrase that he's got that captures the heart of what I want to say this morning. And it's this, the main thing is to make the main thing, the main thing. Now, what do you think that means? Why don't you just turn to your neighbor just for a moment and just, just think, what does that mean? Okay that's long enough you seem to be getting somewhere so i don't know what what you came to uh, what conclusion you came to but for me as i've been praying into that phrase over many years actually i've i've certainly learned it to mean it means the most important thing we can do right now is to make the most important thing that's going on in the world the most important thing in our lives does that make sense yeah It's it's an absolute central idea, isn't it? And it captured brilliantly in that way. It's about a reordering of our lives. So we take the most important things and place them in the centre of our priorities, our ambitions and our hopes, where it belongs. And this next phrase actually sums it up, doesn't it? First things first. Let the most important thing drive all of the decisions that you make. And I have to say that we can do that collectively, if we actually listen and learn from Paul in this letter. That's what we're doing it for. That's why I've chosen Philippians this term, so that we would become radical disciples with the right priorities, ready to reach out and to see this church grow through many people coming to faith and becoming more committed, more passionate disciples of Jesus. So then, what is the main thing for Paul? Well, yes, it's his faith in God. Yes, it's his relationship with Jesus. But in terms of Paul's priorities, his ambitions, his perspective, and his hopes, it's more than that. It's the good news about what God has done through Jesus, which Paul refers to time and time again as the gospel. Literally, that is translated from the Greek for good news. And it's the spread of that gospel throughout the world. So how do we know this is the main thing for Paul? Well, because it runs through the first 20 verses of the letter, as well as many other places in Philippians and other letters he wrote too. Here's just some examples. Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel. Verse 7, whether I'm defending or confirming the gospel. Verse 12, "Um, these things have happened to serve to advance the gospel. Verse 14, most of the brothers, because of my chains, have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. That. There, the word of God means the gospel. Verse 18, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. And then a little bit later as well. But what does it matter? The important thing is in every way, Christ is preached. And Christ being preached means the gospel. And we see that later in the letter as he commends Timothy uh, for his work in the gospel. Even Euodia and Syntyche in chapter 4 who'd contended at, the side, at his side in the cause of the gospel. I think I've made the point. The gospel is running through Paul's veins. It's the main thing in his head and in his heart. And he's passed that on to the Philippians 2. And why is it the main thing for Paul? Because the love of God, shown through him sending Jesus to this earth to show us what God is like to die in our place, rising to become our Lord and saviour is the defining moment of human history and the greatest news of human history it's the event that changed everything both in paul's life and if we've made him our lord and saviour in ours too the gospel is the only way we can be made right with god and the spread of the gospel is the main purpose of human history in god's eyes and in paul's the gospel is the main thing Without it, we were lost, separated from God. And when we were saved, we were saved for a purpose, to reflect the truth of the gospel in the holiness of our lives and to share the truth of the gospel with our lips. As Philippians 2, verse 15 and 16 will put it later, we should shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. So that's my first point, and the challenge I want to leave us with is this. Is the spread of the gospel our priority, our main thing, the thing that drives you? Or are there other other things driving you in terms of what you do and how you think? Like your possessions, what we own. Like your status, how you're seen by others. Like your achievements, your exam grades or your career. Like your comfort. Having an easy and pleasant life. And what's the litmus test of whether the gospel really is the main thing for us? Well, it's the answer to questions like these. When we dream about our future, is it about being used by God to reach others? Or is it about some of those other things? Possession, status, etc. Or this one. Do we pray each day that God would give us opportunities to share our faith and reflect his love in our actions and thoughts? Or this one, are we reading things and listening to things that will better equip us and build our confidence to share our faith? Or have we stopped doing that, stopped investing in that? Or here's the last, do we care more about having an impact for the gospel on others or being popular and not standing out? Challenging questions, aren't they? Be focused on the gospel. That is what I believe God is saying to us from the example of Paul. Because then we will have God's priorities as our priorities. And begin to live the life that he's calling us to live. And that, by the way, is why we're having the joint prayer and praise evening tonight with all the other Camberley churches. We're going to be reminding ourselves why evangelism is the main thing. We're going to be sharing our strategy to make it easier for us all to share the gospel. And we're going to be praying for it hard, that God will bring people to faith through us. This term, leading up to our Christmas services with some invitational events on the way, and then for our joint Alpha course in January. The only way people are going to come to faith is if we pray for it, we're bold, we take steps by steps, in terms of inviting people, getting them through the doors of a church. And then we pray that when we invite them to Alpha and offer to come with them, that they're ready and they say yes. That's how we're going to see this church grow. That's how we're going to see many people come to faith. And let's be brutally honest, that is the only way in which we are actually going to be fulfilling the commission that God has given us. And that's what Paul is modelling to us here. It's the whole reason we're here It's our purpose and it needs to be our priority and our passion too. Don't be sidetracked from your call. So, let's move on to our second, briefer section now the source of hope and confidence. And I want to start with a simple statement that lies at the heart of Paul's heart and his confidence God is in control. And the idea that God is in control has a number of aspects. One is that he's in control of history with Jesus' life and death and resurrection as a defining moment, as we've already said. But the ultimate destiny of human history is also fixed. Jesus will return. We will all be judged and all of his people will enjoy eternity with him. We sang about that, didn't we? It's a wonderful prospect. But it's in the here and now that I want to concentrate now. I want us to take our confidence about the ultimate destiny to give us confidence that God is in control in our daily lives here and now. It's the same God, and he's at work in the same way. So, we see the first evidence of this in the general principle in last week's passage, Philippians 1, verse 6, it's on the screen. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ. It's saying God is at work in us. If we cooperate with him, his purposes for us will be fulfilled. There's an inevitability about it if we cooperate fully with him. And then we've got the additional idea in today's passage, that's the next slide, that even when things seem to be going disastrously, verse 12 as it is there, that actually it can advance the gospel. So what should we note about this? Well, there's first what it reveals about the question that Paul is actually asking as he thinks about his circumstances there in that squalid prison cell. And that question clearly isn't any of these. Okay, These are the questions Paul is not asking. Am I comfortable? Am I free? Am I being treated fairly? Am I in the situation I wanted to be in? Am I being respected? Does this look good? Now, I have to say that I think they are the sorts of questions we would be asking, wouldn't we, if we're honest? But he's asking this question instead. How is the gospel being advanced through my circumstances? Whether they're bad or not, how is the gospel being advanced? And the answer to that question is a whole lot more positive, a whole lot more encouraging and a whole lot more joy-giving than the answer to any of those other questions would be. And to be brutally honest, often it is for us too. If you ask the right question, you get the joy, you get the encouragement, and you get that positivity that actually we find it so hard to find any other way. Now, there were two applications I want to draw from this. One is that God often chooses to work through difficult circumstances. That's written throughout the pages of the Bible. The growth of the church almost always was building on some apparently difficult time that actually was turned around for good. Because those difficult circumstances can create opportunities for the gospel that may not otherwise have existed. Clearly that had happened here. For Verse 13 tells us, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. But why was that a good thing? Why was it a good thing that the whole of the Roman establishment in that area knew that Paul was in prison because of his faith in Jesus? Well, because when these prison guards and officials found out that Paul was there, he presumably took the opportunity to explain to them who this Jesus is and what he had done. Just as Acts records him doing in Philippi as well. That's just what Paul did. He took the opportunity because they knew about Jesus being the reason he was there. But it's also because the very fact that Paul was in prison because of his faith actually communicated something else very important to those watching. That his relationship with Jesus was so important and what Jesus had done for him was so special that he was willing to go through absolutely anything For the sake of him, including all this sacrifice in prison and the beatings and everything else that happened to him. And this is why I think we need to be constantly open about our own faith. If you consider yourself a Christian here today, even when we get mocked or looked down upon for it, as we will, particularly in the future, particularly in the younger generations, it's a difficult world out there now. Because when we are open about the fact that we are Christians, it actually creates opportunities for us to talk about our faith, as people will ask us questions. It's not something they just take as read. It's not something they already understand. They're curious. They will ask us. And secondly, because when people see that we are willing to be open about our faith, even though we might get made fun of or looked down upon or clearly don't quite fit in so well, well, because then they realize just how important he is to us and just how precious our faith is. When we're obviously willing to look different, to get the flack, to stand out, it tells them this must be really, really special. And when they realize that, well, then they come to realize, well, there must be something precious and important that God could do for me as well. And maybe they'll start to want those things. So when we next chat to someone who doesn't know we're a Christian, I'm sure we have people like that, colleagues, people we bump into, neighbours, family members even, certainly some older friends, whether it's at work, school or in the community, what will we tell them? Will we answer the question about how we spent our weekend by telling them we went to church and then praying for an opportunity to tell them why? Jesus said this, don't hide your light under a bushel. Share it because actually, what God means to us is actually the most important thing we could ever communicate. So, what's the one thing we can learn from Paul's imprisonment and what resulted from it? Well, we've already seen one. Here's another verse 14 Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. And this is to be expected too. Because actually when we are bold in our witness, other Christians will follow suit. It gives them confidence that they can do it too. When you are bold in the sharing of your faith, the positive effects are not just limited to the people you talk to. It's also about the inspiration it gives to those who watch you do it, who pray for you before you do it, who hear about you doing it. And God knows all this and knows that difficult circumstances can so often bring more fruitfulness for the kingdom than easy and comfortable ones. That's one reason why he allows them to happen. And the sooner we start to recognize that and welcome that, the better. Because then we will be homing in on the secret to joy and encouragement and peace and purpose in the Christian life that later in chapter 4, Paul will call the secret of contentment. So, will you make the gospel your primary goal, your primary hope, your primary ambition? If you do, you can be so confident that things will happen because the work of the gospel cannot be thwarted because behind it lies the incredible power of God. And that means even if your circumstances are difficult or limiting or undesirable, maybe you're feeling frail, maybe you feel that you no longer have the energy or the confidence you used to have. Well, even then, God can grow you in your character, in your prayer life as you seek to witness to him. And you can still find joy and encouragement through what God is doing in the lives of others as he grows his kingdom elsewhere, Because God is in control, and there will always be positive signs of God at work to be found, even in England, even in the most barren, seemingly unpromising parts of the world. So, even if you're ill, or frail, or very busy, or heavily burdened with studies, or work, or parenting, or caring for a dependent, there's still something you can celebrate, and still something you can pray for, that doesn't actually depend on those circumstances changing. This is tremendously liberating. And it's why Paul can say in verses 18 and 19 that he rejoices and continues to rejoice despite persecution, despite poverty, despite prison. And even though some of the Christians in Rome or Ephesus didn't even have the best motives for evangelism, some of them wanted to make trouble for him, that's what verse 15 and 18 say. But Paul didn't care as he wasn't interested in his glory or his popularity within that Christian community. He would celebrate the gospel being preached, whoever was doing it, whether his allies or supporters or not. Why? Because the gospel is the main thing and because he's laid down his agenda and he's happy to pray for and work for God's instead. And that's what God longs for us to long for too. So, what should we do in response to this? I want to suggest four things. If the gospel really is the main thing in life, let's make it our main thing. In our priorities, our ambitions, our giving as we respond to our stewardship campaign, and particularly in our prayers. Second, if the gospel really is the main thing in life, let's wear our faith on our sleeve and share it openly. Third, if God really is in control, let's pray for him to be at work through us, even in the most difficult of circumstances. And fourth, let's celebrate all he is doing in the world, whether through us or through others, in this church or well beyond. So I want to suggest now we take a couple of minutes for each of us just to pray, to process what you've heard, And then to pray your response. So we'll just leave two minutes of silence now. Just just close your eyes. Just take that opportunity. I'll be getting communion ready. Perhaps if I can ask the band just to come up into position as well.